Okay, see, when you start talking about Toronto Islands, something in me went boom, 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 boom. Like, oh, am I? Should I move there? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Love the City by Thrillist, a brand new travel podcast. I'm your host, Ellie Lee. And in each episode, I'll be taking you inside a different city with the help of our local expert tour guide. This episode of Love This City by Thrillist is brought to you by the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card from Chase. Expand your world. Go Boundless. In this episode, we're heading up north to Canada, Toronto specifically, a city that's deceptively big. It's the fourth largest city in North America, bigger even than Chicago. My guest today is Christopher Mitchell, a Toronto native, travel writer, and co-founder of the travel website Ultimate Ontario. Chris, welcome to Love This City. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm going to dub you the mayor of Toronto. Oh, okay, thank you. Because I feel like you know a lot. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, let's start from the beginning. Why do you love Toronto so much? Yeah, so I'll try not to take the entire episode here. Um, <laughs> I'll do my best. No promises. I think there are a lot of things that make Toronto unique, but perhaps the most prominent of those things is the diversity. As far as I know, Toronto is actually statistically the most multicultural city on the planet. Mm. And in a kind of a, a fun fact in return for you, um, over 50% of residents in Toronto weren't actually born here. And that means that this is one heck of a place to watch the Olympics, a great place to watch the World Cup. And it was honestly a fantastic place to grow up because I felt like when I did travel later on, I was already exposed to so many different cultures and I didn't know how much I was quietly taking in. And that's something I really, really appreciate. And I've had the great opportunity to live for pretty lengthy periods in cities like Seoul and Istanbul and Oslo. And I think that I had the context I needed from Toronto to go and explore those places. And then conversely, living in those places, I had the context I needed to come back and explore Toronto more meaningfully. You know, I know you have a Korean background and, you know, I lived in Seoul for a period of time. You know, how much richer was my time exploring Koreatown mm. after I'd lived in Korea, right? Mm -hmm. Like I knew to go in and be like, I'm going to need some extra, extra gochujang. Like that's going to need to happen immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, to start things off, we're going to play a game. We're calling Best of Everything. Okay. So I'm going to ask you for your best recommendation in a specific category, and you have to name the first place that pops into your head. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. So let's play. Okay. I'm looking for the best neighborhood brewery. Okay. I'm going to go with Blood Brothers Brewing. I know uh, a pretty hefty name there. It's on Geary Avenue, which is a really cool spot. And I would recommend that people try their Blood Light. Okay. We love puns. Okay, cool. Great <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, second, I'm looking for the best place to enjoy some of the city's 10 million trees. Ooh, there's a lot of good spots that you could choose, but if you have to choose one, you got to go with High Park. High Park is um, about 400 acres in size. It's really separated from the hustle and bustle of the city. And if you um, like to snap a good photo, go to Grenadier Pond. Um, you won't believe it's in the same place as, uh, as you were in if you were just downtown. Oh, sounds so nice. I'm looking for the best street food. Okay, so this is a little tough for me to to put down. I honestly would go down to Kensington Market where I was literally this morning and go get some momos at the Tibet Cafe and go basically four or five different spots and just nab some food. But there's also a new spot at Bathurst and Front Street 
um, which is called Stacked Market, which is really utilizing that trend of shipping containers, creating some epic food. So either or, um, but you know, if you're in Toronto, you can't miss Kensington Market. Okay, I'm hungry. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> you're very welcome. Uh, next one, the best international neighborhood. This probably will be the hardest question for me because Toronto is essentially a collection of international neighborhoods and that's what makes the city great. Obviously, love Koreatown, love Gochujang, but I probably <laughs> will have to go with the Danforth, which is one of the largest Greek communities in North America and one of the largest Greek communities outside of Greece. Wow. All right, cool. The best annual festival. Again, a tough one, but um, Beaches Jazz Fest takes place in July. It's a two-kilometer stretch along Queen Street. It's one of the largest free jazz festivals in North America. It's so much fun. It's a good excuse to get home from work or finish your day of work and be like, you know, I'm going to go stroll down the street, listen to jazz and see what happens. It brings a real positive vibe to the city. And the Beaches neighborhood in general is just super fun and light and airy and just a great spot to be. Mm, all right. What about the best historical site? Let's go with Casaloma, which is purported to be North America's only castle. For real? For real. Oh, I mean, someone's going to come at that. me, like someone's going to like at me later and be like, that's not quite correct. But it's like, at least colloquially, it is. It's a Gothic revival castle slash mansion in mid-Toronto. Wow. Okay. That's so dope. All right. The best getaway within city limits. So this is one I, I don't think you would see recommended elsewhere. And I was just sort of thinking of it kind of off the cuff here. I suppose I ought to give my answer because it's supposed to be quick. The Scarborough Bluffs, um, which is actually where I was married. And uh, it's an escarpment that not a lot of people know about. It's basically nine parks back to back to back to back in Scarborough in Toronto. It's where my wife actually uh, grew up as well. We love love, Chris. Right? Okay. Who doesn't love love? love? <laughs> exactly. And lastly, the best cycling route. So I'm a cycling enthusiast. Mm. I don't see how I can't say the Great Lakes Waterfront Trail. Um, it runs all along the bottom of the city, all along the lakeshore. I've ridden this trail from Toronto to Hamilton and back, which is about 140 kilometers. And fun fact, the Great Lakes Waterfront Trail actually extends 3,600 kilometers and, and goes into the U.S. So, okay, Chris, the, the amount that you know down to kilometers blows me away. I know, and I'm, I'm really just trying to throw off the U.S. audience with the miles kilometers thing. I just figured I'd just keep doubling down on that. <laughs> Listen, Chris, you're the kind of friend that uh, I want in every city. You just, you just know it all, okay? Th that's the kind of friends you want, you know? <laughs> well, if you ever come here, you're like, you know, just, you just let me know. <laughs> oh, Chris, ding dong, I'm here, let's go, okay? <laughs> I, I'm going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. It's about time you started dreaming about your next trip. How about planning to explore Toronto from a whole new perspective and getting rewarded for doing so? With the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless card from Chase, you'll earn up to 17 total points per dollar at hotels participating in Marriott Bonvoy and earn two points per dollar on all other purchases. Consider using your card to stay at the St. Regis Toronto, an elegant hotel located 65 stories above the heart of downtown, where you'll just be steps from all the shopping, theater, and entertainment that Toronto has to offer. I've been to Toronto once, okay? And as soon as I walked into Toronto, I was like, ooh, I like it here. Like just the energy, something about that city, the energy feels very fresh there. Yeah, I know, 100%. Yeah. And I think actually the beauty of Toronto is that the energy is very different depending where you are. And I kind of think of myself in Toronto kind of walking around as a plug and I'm just trying to like plug into different things that are going on. And I think mm. that's kind of the beauty of the city is 
you know, sometimes I'll walk into a neighborhood and be like, nah, I'm not, I'm not really feeling this energy right now. And you can right. literally go and, and walk to a new place that it feels like a different city. And, and in some ways, it does feel like a collection of cities in a way. And wow. that's what I really appreciate about it. How has being a travel writer influenced how you view your own city? Does it give you like just a whole new perspective? You know, um, I, I think so. I grew up here, right? And when you're growing up in a place, I think you can get blinded by the familiarity of it, if you know what I mean. Like you are at that point, especially when you're younger, you're just sort of your world's small. You know, your neighborhood feels like something huge. Your your bedroom feels like something huge. And then you slowly get out and explore. And I think the operative word is intention, right? You start to explore with intention. And for me, I mentioned before, you know, I moved away. I lived for, there was a period of time where over the over a decade, I lived more away from Toronto than in Toronto. But when I came back, I realized I'd taken the time to explore all these other cities with intention, but I hadn't done that in my own hometown. And so I decided to write an ebook. So I wrote a local travel writer's guide to Toronto. Mostly it was a vehicle for me to get better acquainted with my city. And I feel like the, the fact that I could put this moniker above myself, like I'm a travel writer, you know, it enabled mm-hmm. me to feel like the effort and time I was putting into it was warranted when, when in reality, we can all feel like any of our projects can warrant our time and attention. But I think that, you know, having that above me to say, I'm a travel writer, this is what travel writers do <laughs> was helpful if that makes sense. Yeah. And I love that you said intention because like that makes me want to explore my city with like a new lens instead of, you know, see going to the same place and seeing it for what it is. I'm like, oh, what if I go in with an intention? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's easy to fall into the routine of going to the same restaurant every week in the same right. spots every week. And there's actually nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think that there's something great about that as well. But it is special when you think just because I grew up here doesn't mean there isn't always something to discover, you know, around the next corner. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, having your job, you must get asked for recommendations about what to do all the time. Like you need an app, Chris, you know what I'm saying? Like people just send you a question and then you just have an answer. But what is something super unique that you can do in Toronto that people might not really know about? Even though it's like ranked up, if you go on TripAdvisor, it's up high. If you go look at recommendations, it seems to be there, but a lot of people don't know that it's worth doing. And that's visiting the Toronto Islands. The Toronto Islands are a ferry ride away from, from downtown, and they're the largest urban uh, car-free community in North America. Wow. The views from the island are ridiculous oh, um, because gosh. you get the skyline. And actually, a lot of people don't know the ferry to get across to the island and back. The Toronto skyline is unique and impressive, and I, I think that's a beautiful way to see it. So that would be my recommendation. I went to visit a friend in the Toronto Islands when I was a kid and he lived there with his parents. And I think we were about 10 or 11 years old. And I remember arriving there and being like, this is a part of Toronto. Like this is incredible. You know, people growing their own vegetables in the garden (sighs) and paddle boarding and all those kind of great things that came to seemingly the mainland Toronto, like years later, they already had a good finger on the pulse of, of why it was meaningful to to, to, I don't know, prioritize leisure and recreation and all that kind of stuff and, and prioritize the beauty of natural surroundings. So I would really recommend that you go uh, and rent a bike and just go and explore the island um, on your own time. Arrive on an early ferry and leave on a late ferry and see what you find for a day. Okay, see, when you start talking about Toronto Islands, something in me went boom, 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 boom. Like, I, I got chills. I was like, oh, am I? Should I move there? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, now we know what we're doing when you get here. 
<laughs> yes. No, for sure. Um, okay, Chris. So I don't think a lot of people realize just how diverse Toronto is. And, you know, even you describing the diversity, like I wish that everyone could experience growing up in a melting pot because it really expands your horizons, you know, and makes you appreciate cultures and things like that. So I'm really glad you brought it up. How does that diversity come out in its food scene? Because is the food scene in Toronto killer? Yeah, it's it's amazing. The, the Toronto food scene, I think, is one of probably the most underrated aspects of the city. Yeah, it's it's funny when I think about the diversity of Toronto, I think what I'm probably most proud of is that when I think of a Torontonian, I don't have a color or religion to assign to that, or I don't have a creed to assign to that. There's a sense of belonging for this city that it's not predicated on your belief system or what you look like. And mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot, you know, that mm-hmm. there isn't a quintessential Torontonian, so to speak. As far as how it affects the food scene, I always think back to this quote of um, Yann Martel, who's the author of Life of Pi. And he mm-hmm. called Canada at one point the greatest hotel on earth because everybody has a room. You know, there's a there's a space for, for people wow. there. And I think, you know, it's an over, oversimplification in some regard, but I think it holds very true for Toronto in the sense that you go to a neighborhood like Little India or the Danforth for Greek food or Koreatown or Little Italy, and you'll walk through stretches where you won't hear English. Yeah. You're eating food that's not, um, the spice isn't tempered for the average person. You know what I mean? It's not like, mm. it's not like Korean food dumbed down, so to speak. It's like, mm. it's the Korean food you're going to get in Korea and you're getting all that gochujang. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and, and I really like that. And in fact, uh, I also just love the idea of being a guest in my own city and I can go out for Korean barbecue and have a server who, you know, it might be better for me to use my Korean that I knew from living there than it would be for me to speak English. And we get to connect on those terms. And Mm. there's this beautiful way in this city where going to restaurants in particular is a great way to meet somebody else. I guess I'm, I'm honing in on this notion that really I'm in their neighborhood. You know, Mm -hmm. there's not this notion of my city and your city. At that moment, I'm in their restaurant in their neighborhood. And I feel like a guest in my own city. And it's a beautiful feeling. It keeps me constantly excited and on my toes. And there's always a new restaurant because there's always new people coming to this city. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, there's nothing like tasting food that you know is just full of that like authenticness. You know what I mean? Like when I eat Korean food, I'm like, this tastes like my mom or my grandma made it. And it just like, (laughs) it's like, it's it's almost like a vibration when you're eating it. It's crazy. I agree 100%. I love it when I go to a restaurant. I'm like, this tastes like when I tried it in, you know, insert city or country. I'm very, I'm extremely grateful for our food scene. Again, something else I just did not understand when I was younger. And now I'm like running my own food tours when people come and visit because there's so much I want to show. And even this morning, like I ate momos from a Tibetan spot in Kensington Market and I ate a Turkish style borek. Mm. It's kind of like a a Spanakopita style, like um, spinach and feta and stuff like that. Like I was able to eat a couple different cuisines within half a block of each other. Yeah. A question for you. I am a vegan. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I go into a new city, I'm like, where can I just shove all the vegan food (laughs) down my throat? So do you have a favorite vegan spot? Yeah. So I would recommend going to the Hogtown Vegan. Mm -hmm. So the Hogtown Vegan is really cool. They kind of do like bar style food, uh, like, like pub style. So like you could go there and get a vegan pulled pork sandwich with mac and cheese. And 
it's great. I mean, uh, my partner and I go there and Brie will get something different and we'll share meals and it's always great. And they're kind of playing up this idea that like vegan food doesn't have to be one thing. You know, it, right. it can be the comfort food that you yeah. want to have after a long day. Like that's not reserved for non-vegan cuisine, right? So wow. that's the spot I would recommend for you. Ugh, listen, listen, one day, Chris, okay, I'm going to go on a vegan tour across North America and I'm hitting Toronto first. So clear your schedule, okay? <laughs> sure. Chris, What what's the best way to spend a day outdoors in Toronto? So there's a few things I'd say here. So firstly, Toronto has a pretty vibrant park culture. So you have like Christie Pitts and that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. you get this beautiful confluence of people. Some are, you know, street performers. Some mm -hmm. are um, just looking to hang out. And some people are playing sports. But I think it's interesting because the parks, particularly Christie Pitts, I would say, it kind of serves this as like pseudo stage for the city where people go to perform and watch and observe and appreciate. And, you know, if you're looking for a great time to spend outdoors in the city, that the heart of the summer is great. But there's also something about the spring when the patios are opening up again and people are filling up the parks again. And there's this like hum and buzz in the city that kind of reminds me of like a when you're a kid coming home from school and you run in and throw your backpack in and then run out to the street yeah, to just yeah. like get like I kind of feel like that in the spring in Toronto <laughs> you know another suggestion that I would probably give mm -hmm. for um, the best way to spend a day outdoors is to head down to the beach in the beaches neighborhood so the beaches neighborhood uh, perhaps not shockingly named after the fact that there is a big long sizable beach and I mean, a lot of people, I think, don't get that far east. And there's a beautiful boardwalk that extends along the water. Like, it's this really kind of great setup where you have these streets that are built up with breweries and stores. You know, I think of like Queen Street in particular. And then they all lead downwards towards the beach and the boardwalk. And it's kind of like all this energy, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of drawing people to the beach. It's where to go to hang out and enjoy the sun the music all that kind of stuff it's good people watching if you're into that sort of thing for sure yeah. so i think you know all those things in mind if you had only one way to do it i probably would tell you to go into the beaches neighborhood and you know the last thing i'll say about that really is just that we talked before about the value of kind of thinking of yourself as this plug that's going to go and tether yourself to some energy and there's an energy and a feeling in the beaches that isn't replicated anywhere else in the city Mm. And just because I'm such a dog lover, too, how friendly, I mean, is Toronto very dog friendly, pet friendly? Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of off-leash dog parks. Oh, we um, love that. Yeah, yeah. And like, and sizable ones. And um, my brother has a, a couple Frenchies and they, they, they seem pretty happy in the city. <laughs> they seem pretty happy. <laughs> they do. They do seem pretty happy as far as, uh, as dogs go. But no, it is, it is a really dog friendly for, city for the most part. I think I can speak for my friends who are dog owners and but also like objectively from looking at dogs they look pretty pumped to be here so <laughs> that sounds great also I feel like in the winter too Toronto must be so beautiful when it's like blanketed in snow does it yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. It, it actually is I mean there are a lot of neighborhoods where I think you can really appreciate that the snow um, a lot of parks that make it uh, yeah. pretty snow friendly also the winter time in Toronto is is really kind of like a 
photographer's utopia Ooh, because yeah. Toronto is, is quite well known for its street art. And there's actually just a little bit south of Queen Street and west of Young Street, there is a, a spot called Graffiti Alley. And, you know, whether you go in the wintertime or not, I just think about the fact that uh, it's this whole alley of, of pretty epic street art that pops pretty nicely against the, the snow. And actually, you know, for people who are into photography, winter actually can offer some really great lighting for photographing a city because you're, if you know how to play with or understand the glare that you're getting there, like it's, it's different from contending with like a red hot sun above you. Right. And I also find like the evening and night in the wintertime in Toronto, it's great for photography because the city is is really well lit up mm. it's a vibrant city and i feel like in the snow i'm better able to see the color of the city if that makes sense mm. that's so beautiful uh chris i don't know if you can tell but i definitely am obsessed with nature so i just want to go back to the 10 million trees for a sec yeah because why is toronto so green for an urban city you know that's a good question um i don't know where the the, the lineage of it really came but all i know is that Growing up here, there always seemed to be a place for me to like, for example, I was into mountain biking and then I was like, well, then just head to the Dawn Trails. And then I was into rollerblading and I was like, oh, well, then like go down to the lakeshore to go to roller. like there always seemed to be like an outdoor sort of an outlet um, in the city to be and feel outdoors. I didn't really notice how remarkable it was until I moved to Istanbul and saw what a city of 22 million people with little to know trees kind of feels like in the right. summertime. I think that we seem to have done a fairly good job of protecting our nature. And mm. it's funny, I've actually heard they plant something like 100,000 trees per year. So wow. there are parks everywhere. And I don't think I realized what a, what a difference that makes to a city. Like, how cool is this that it's like the true quintessential urban jungle, if that makes sense. Like there is an interplay um, between you know, be between the urban landscape and the natural landscape, which I think is like maybe something we should be focused on as human beings, right? Like mm. I feel, um, I do feel at home, um, you know, the ability that I have to go and walk around a park and see dogs playing and things like that and and um, and see that the city has, has put a, uh, like prioritized the idea of keeping our parks maintained and, um, and having enough parks. I mean, like that's, I'm extremely grateful for that. Yeah. Chris, you've convinced me. Okay. All right. If I were to <laughs> listen to this episode, I'd be like, all right, here we go. Let's go to Toronto. I'm a Canadian now. All right. That's how I feel. <laughs> all right, Chris. So we're moving on to our next game called Two Timers. A place is so nice. You just have to visit them twice, which is inspired by the two points you'll earn for every dollar spent with the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card. So, Chris, say I'm only in Toronto for a very short time. What places are so awesome that I need to go twice in one trip? All right. So, well, first and foremost, when you do come and visit, I'm just going to make sure you're staying for a longer time. So that's, that's going to happen. I mean, you have to find the time to engage with all 10 million trees. So there's work to be done. Listen, there, that's a lot of hugging I got to do, okay? A lot of hugging trees. <laughs> exactly. So this is kind of a tough one for me because I think that it's a good city for choose your own adventure. And what I mean by that is if you are the hockey fan of all hockey fans, then for you, going to the Hockey Hall of Fame twice is going to be what you need to do. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think that holds true for a number of, of, of our kind of more better known sites. The Art Gallery of Ontario, again, been there recently. It's something I'm really proud of. It fits in well with, with the city as far as design and architecture, but the interior of it's just gorgeous. And they've always got something going on there. So if you are a lover of art, particularly Canadian art, Perhaps the most famous landscape artists are called the Group of Seven, and they painted some incredible landscapes in northern Ontario. And there's a really great permanent collection at the Art Gallery of Ontario. I'm a member there because I'll go and spend an an hour or two just focusing on one exhibit and trying to take it in. And I think that's the beauty of a museum like that is you can go there and you could decide you're going to spend two different days focusing on two different things. This is a bit of a longer answer just because of the impossibility for me, but There's two more things that I want to mention and one that I will circle and underline and say, this is what you have to do. The Ripley's Aquarium is one that I would say is pretty neat. It's right beside the Rogers Center, which I still call the Sky Dome. The Ripley's Aquarium is a good spot to go because it's situated right beside the Sky Dome, as I said, and right beside the CN Tower. So, you know, it might be great to go to the Ripley's Aquarium once or twice and then... You can go to the CN Tower, the Sky Dome, um, Steam Whistle Breweries across the street as well. If I have to give my absolute, this is the spot you're going to go twice, I'm going with the Distillery District. You can tell I'm passionate because I'm like, I, you're like, oh, you are. Yeah, yeah I feel um, it. So, so if if you're like Chris, I really need the answer. I'm going to underline the Distillery District. That is a place that I would go once, twice, five times, a hundred times, um, and have. The distillery districts is actually, um, it's kind of interesting. It used to be where it was basically a packing and shipping district for Gooderham and Wards, which was a big liquor distiller back in the day, one of the big ones of North America. And basically that whole area is like filled with red brick and um, it became a little defunct and they actually ended up using the distillery district as a film set for movies like Gangs of New York because it was so like it it fit that perfectly and then eventually the city realized like hey so maybe like this is more valuable than just like a film set and now they have some great restaurants and there's a great brewery there called uh, Mill Street and I would recommend Mill Street Organic it's a good beer that I really like so I've said a lot there I've fit in a lot there Uh, my apologies and or you're welcome Um, but you know as I said I think really and truly the distillery district is, is the place that I would recommend needing to go twice just because you have the brewery and restaurant side of things and then you have the I'm going to go around and take some photos of this because I didn't realize this was in the city side of things. Mm, yes. Um, Chris, I think it's safe to dub you the king of Toronto. I'm <laughs> dubbing you that. Okay. And and my last question before we leave is, do you have all of Toronto tattooed on your body? Because at this point, you are Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Not yet. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm actually going to a tra- Toronto tattoo artist next week to to get some <laughs> to get some more work done. But it's not necessarily not necessarily Toronto related. But I'm proud <laughs> of this city, and so I will take the moniker of King of Toronto because, you know, even though let's be clear, I'm not. <laughs> but but you know what? Like I think this city represents a lot of possibility to me. Of you know how people can engage and support each other. Sometimes we we look around and it's easy to double down on a narrative of the fact that we maybe can't cooperate or we can't work together or we can't work in unison. And, you know, I get to point to the experience of living here as a a complete refusal of that notion that we can't 
all work together. I mean, I, mm. as I said, you know, the backbone of this city is difference and diversity and, and change. And yeah. so when I was going to university, I was an English lit major, not surprisingly, because I like to talk quite a bit and write. Um, <laughs> we were studying Canadian literature and I had a professor who mentioned to me that we can think of people coming to a place and it being a melting pot, but, but in actuality, Toronto and, and Canada at large, it should aim to be much more of a cultural mosaic. Mm. And I think that is Toronto. Toronto is a cultural mosaic, you know. I get to go to Koreatown and be back in Korea. And I get to go to Greektown and be back in Greece. It's not Canadian flavored Greece. It's not Canadian flavored Korea. It's a slice of that country that I'm only too grateful to have here. And so, you know, it's funny you mentioned that actually. I, I think I am going to get a, a Toronto tattoo. Whenever I leave a country, I get a tattoo mm. um, in the language of that country. But I'm back in Toronto now and don't really want to leave. But that being said, um, I'm always trying to remind myself that that though I've explored a lot of this city, it's a beautiful feeling that there's so much more to explore. And and I hope with this episode, I've kind of opened the the doors to what's possible here. And, and I guess the, the big thing is noting that there's something for everybody here. Like if you are a theater major, if you are into manga, if you are like mm-hmm. whatever you are into, there's something for you here. And I'd like to think that when you get here, you'll be welcomed with open arms. Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on today's episode. The pleasure is all mine. Really, the opportunity to share some of this love for the city around is is honestly a privilege. And I genuinely hope that this is useful for someone who wants to come here and, and perhaps an impetus for people to explore more, more deeply when they get here. And yeah, just a huge thank you my way. And I know I'll be listening to all of the episodes to hear you know, where else I need to go next. Yeah, I'm bringing everybody, all right? Uh, And to everyone at home, if you also want to join, just DM me, all right? Uh, Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Love This City, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Love This City by Thrillist. And thank you to our sponsor, the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card from Chase. Expand your world. Go boundless. Visit MarriottBoundlessCard.com to learn more. Account subject to credit approval. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Love This City by Thrillist, wherever you get your podcasts.